hell is he? Ben, are you, are you here yet? What's this? A hologram. Hi, Jessica. I'm sorry I'm late, but you know what they say. I've been on the party line talking to Kay. Ugh, gross. Warning. Incoming game. Warning. Incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series reboot. I'm Ben, a newcomer to this series. And I'm Jessica, a longtime fan. Each week, we'll recap and review, inject some trivia, and find our frostiest moments. How you doing today, Jess? I'm not doing too bad. How about you? Doing pretty good myself. Uh, you know what just came out today? I saw. <laughs> a lot of the internet saw. This has been causing some controversy. The trailer was released today, which when this airs will be two weeks from now, for Reboot the Guardian Code. Uh, it's being distributed by Netflix, and we have an official air date of March 30th, uh, and a trailer that people can look at, and it certainly exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the amount of salt that has been heaped upon this trailer. <laughs> I think a lot of people forget that this is a children's show for children. And so there's a lot of 30 and 40 year olds that are just raging that it doesn't conform to what they think Reboot should be. I mean, I can give them this much. It does look bad. It looks really bad. But, you know. It looks awfully generic and you don't see the characters, although apparently at some point you're supposed to see Bob and Dot and Enzo and all them, but that's not revealed in the trailer. They did say that we're going to get some of the old characters back. We used to see the new version of Megabyte. <laughs> uh, and we have seen images released that of Hexadecimal, so we know for sure that those two are in there. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not going to be the same reboot. It's a different show entirely. I think we're just going to have to deal with that and move on. <laughs> but I will probably still watch it, and we may still talk about it on this show once it comes out. We'll see. I think we'll have to at some point. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And it certainly looks interesting. But uh, why don't we forget about new reboot and go back to old reboot? reboot. This week, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 5, The Tiff. The air date was December 31st, 1994. It was written by Lane Reichert, and the story was by Lane Reichert. So this is a Lane Reichert solo feature. We open at Dot's Diner with C sorry, Cecil <laughs> saying his pre-programmed phase, wait at the bar, wait at the bar. So he doesn't just use that on Bob. He uses it on a lot of people. You know, I have to say, the uh, opening music cue in this sounds a lot like uh, Metroid when um, whenever she gets a power-up. And that's like with the intro music and I think between scenes, like it plays like a very similar track to that. Dot's still working on the Mitchell account with Annie Potts and she's got her Where's Waldo thinking glasses on this time. I told you she gets glasses. Yeah. <laughs> What's that in the one window she has? It says place palm on reader, make choice and wait for door to open. I tried to figure out if that was a reference to something or what was going on with it. The closest thing I can think of is it reminds me of the palm reading arcade machines mm -hmm. where you would place your palm on it and feed it 50 cents. I have no idea what it's supposed to be a reference to, but that's what I got out of it. Because what choice are you making? Is it like a vending machine? Is it, I don't or... I don't know. It's a mystery for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, Bob and Enzo stroll in and they're slapping each other on the back, chatting about their recent racing adventure while uh, Dot frowns impatiently. It seems like they're really overplaying their hand too. Like they're reminiscing at Dot, I think. They do seem very intense about talking about where they were. Which, Dot's not too happy that Bob has brought Enzo home late, which has pretty much thrown off her whole schedule. And 
everyone in the diner starts pulling out popcorn. And even uh, Cecil grabs some. And watching the fight go back and forth like a tennis match. I don't know if you noticed this, but one of the uh, binomes is a doctor binome, complete with mask over his mouth. <laughs> and he keeps trying to eat the popcorn and the popcorn keeps falling because he has his mouth covered with a mask. <laughs> no, I missed that. <laughs> I thought that was a really funny little slide joke they threw in there. Oh, man. I thought I caught everything this time. I watched these episodes three times. You know? <laughs> so one thing that is kind of notable, though, is uh, Enzo's supposed to be taking an ancient language course. Yes. And then they reference a couple, like, coding languages, like COBOL and I forget the other one. Yeah, they mention both uh, COBOL and FORTRAN. Yeah. Uh, so he's supposed to be taking those because you never know when you might need them. Right. Foreshadowing. They start to argue over the fact uh, Dot thinks Bob's too spontaneous, but Bob thinks Dot's too schedule-oriented. And this is where I think, like, their argument just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, like, Dot kind of has a reason to be a little upset. You know, Enzo had an appointment, he was late, that's a whole thing. And Bob just gets super mad right away and just storms out, never to return. Yeah, immediately he's just like, well, fuck you, Dot. This is your problem. He goes and he starts like working on his car angrily, you know? I was really enjoying his like forced laid backedness. And then from zero to 180, like. Also, Dot, or Bob has never struck me as someone who's like particularly laid back. I mean, not the way he's acting here. You know, he's always one for action and doesn't necessarily have a plan, but he's definitely not just like, oh, whatever, man. This, if it happens, it happens. I think. Bob is high here or something. (laughs) (laughs) The way that he's acting towards Dot, she's like, that's your problem, Dot. You got to be more like me, living on the fly. I think the reason they were talking so much about the racing was probably because Bob and Enzo were smoking. (laughs) (laughs) So they came in, yeah, that race was Real good, wasn't it? That we were just totally doing. Oh my god. We were racing. (laughs) You're right. They're totally making it up. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, they both get angry. Bob storms out and says he's never coming back to the diner again. (laughs) We go back to Bob's apartment. Yeah, so he's like just angrily working on his car as you do. Like you just start like washing the dishes furiously, you know? (laughs) And Enzo calls him and Bob's just being a real petty bitch. He's just like, oh, are you sure it's okay with your sister for you to call me? How old are you here right now, Bob? Seriously. (laughs) He pulls that excuse. He's like, well, man, I'm just too busy. I got so much going on. Of course, so much going on is hanging out at home, kind of watching TV. By watching TV, I mean, of course, watching Mike TV do nothing. This is weird. This is our first introduction to Mike TV, and we don't even know what this character is. All of a sudden, Bob's just hanging out with this box with, like, a megaphone just staring at him. (laughs) It is weird that this is the first time we get to see Mike the TV. And we don't even get his name. No, his first introduction is by uh, pulling, like, a sex line. Lonely, call me. On the mainframe party line, my name's Kay, and I'm waiting to hear from you now. I could not believe they managed to get that joke in there. Like, it's not even subtle. (laughs) And it's the first thing he ever says in the series. Which, okay, so just FYI, Mike the TV is voiced by Michael Donovan, who we also now know is the voice of Cecil and Fong. So he's he's a couple of the characters here. Okay. But yeah, the fact that they managed to get that past the censors, I realized Rocco's Modern Life managed to also do that, so. Oh yeah, Rocco was risque <laughs> as hell, which is great as like a teenager watching that, you know. But uh, Bob's had enough of Mike's stuff. He throws him down the garbage chute. Yeah, he's not coming on to his advances at all, and he just tosses him out the window. <laughs> Which, okay, so we could talk about maybe the weirdness. If you're a sentient object, 
your job is to provide entertainment. The person who owns you is talking on a sex line. Is that weird for you? <laughs> well, the other thing is, if he's ostensibly a TV, he, he seems to be more of a radio. Like, all of his stuff is audio-based. Yeah, we don't get to see any picture. Like, the picture is his face. So, yeah. Welcome to Mike the TV. Back at the diner, a tear appears randomly, and uh, Cecil immediately suggests that everyone settle their tab, please. <laughs> Enzo is immediately thrilled, because he knows what this means, calling Bob. Bob who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dot will have none of that, thank you very much. No. In fact, she's going to tear open a bar stool and just <laughs> smack the tear with it. <laughs> I will destroy my own diner before I let that guy come back into it. <laughs> She tells Cecil to grab the door, and then she just, like, bashes the tear with the seat of a bar stool and causes an explosion. So, if it hadn't caused an explosion, she's throwing the tear out the door into the public. <laughs> it just randomly runs into some kid. It's a problem for future Dot. Objective one is just to get it out. We do see a fun binome here with a giant afro, who I thought is another binome that has a giant afro named Cyrus. But it is not. It is a different binome with a giant afro. I liked that giant afro. That made me laugh every time I saw it. You'll probably enjoy Cyrus then. Enzo gathers a meeting at the core, and who's that creepy purple guy lurking in the back? It's your favorite five. No, no, no. This is a character. He looks like looks like a darker-skinned Bob with, like, funny hair. Oh. So, yeah, he was actually in Al's diner. So he's one of the 90s cyberpunk techno sprites that we see in the diner. Uh, we ha- have a whole list of everyone we see in the scene, which is pretty fun. So along with Fong and Enzo, we see Dot's secretary, a.k.a. Annie Potts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we see Jean-Luc from the delivery episode. Um, we see the five, the seven, and the eight. We see the purple cyberpunk sprite. We see the random construction sprites, the doctor sprite, which is a different doctor than the one from earlier. Mike the TV, Al's waiter, and the director, who we'll see talking later. We actually have a name for him, but it's never said in the TV series. I had to look it up. Oh, really? Yes, his name is Dino De Horrendous. Oh, that's an... Okay. Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, I'll be talking about him later. Well, Mike TV is determined to make an impression on us, and he makes his case for being more of an annoyance than Enzo. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, that is his character trait. Fong gives his wisdom that friendship is best repaired with tragedy or apology. Not only is that horrible advice, but he knows it's horrible advice because as soon as Enzo goes, what does that mean? He goes, oh, <laughs> you should totally think about it, which has me thinking that he's just like, why did this kid bring all these people here? He just randomly picked up a fortune cookie and read it. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that sounds right. Right. Yeah. Go with it. It's fine. <laughs> Though we don't get to see if he makes them play Pong first. It'd be too many against one. So we're back at Bob's and he gets a video call from a terrified Enzo who's been kidnapped by Megabyte and is being <laughs> held at Old Man Pierce's data dump. Yeah, Megabyte seems a little two-dimensional at this point. <laughs> I really love the like impression of Tony J that's being done here. That's pretty good. No. <laughs> We get this cardboard cutout of Megabyte, and he is voiced by someone who's not even trying. No, he's totally trying. He's just bad at it. You fools! He's gotten to the bed window! Seize him! Is that Tony J trying to do an impression of himself, or is that someone else? I wish I could tell you that. I could not find... Like, they just list the main characters. Everyone else is additional voices. <laughs> I really wish it was Tony J pretending to be Tony J. That would be great. Uh, Because, yeah, it turns out to be all just a stage play directed by Dino. There was some fun interactions here with the binomes, like, talking about, like, what's my motivation? (laughs) (laughs) 
And then like the uh, the cardboard cutout falls and like Frisket starts barking at it. Uh, we get to see the clapper board for all of six nanoseconds. Yeah, I freeze framed that and I f- imagined there was like some production in jokes in there. So yeah, we get to see that the title of their fake show is called The Tiff, which is the name of this episode. Mm-hmm. We get to see that we're in Act One, Beat Eight Point One, which sounds about right considering where we are in the actual story. And then uh, that we're starting version two, which I think is mostly to do with, they did Bob's, now they're doing Dots. Now the Mm -hmm. wiki says that the number 9404 that we see on the clapper board is actually the production code for the episode, but I don't know where they got that from. So I don't know if it's accurate. Yeah. Um, And then they also have a thing that says the WYSIWYG productions, and I could not find anything about what that would mean. Well, WYSIWYG is a lot of times when you're editing a website, you have your just like HTML code, but then you also have the visual version, which is called what you see is what you get. And it's literally W-Y-S-I-W-Y-G, WYSIWYG. Look at that. See, they spelt it out, W-I-Z-Z-Y, and that's what I was searching. Yeah. Well, actually, I didn't. That literally just now occurred to me when you said it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you that's what it is then. The other in-joke we get there is the director's name is Phil, which is not the name of the actual director in the show, because that's Dino. But Phil is probably a reference to Phil Mitchell, who's a co-creator and an animation producer on this episode. So Okay. But yeah, and then they're off to do the same ploy with Dot. And so, yeah... Both uh, Bob and Hardhat Dot arrive at the scene to save Enzo, who strapped himself to a conveyor belt. I don't know if you picked up on this. The music that they're playing right here, it's totally the 1920s ladies tied to a train track music. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was so great. He's really taking a risk here, because there's legitimate danger of being erased by this machine, it looks like. I mean, there is, but only if two adults stand around arguing for five minutes (laughs) instead of actually doing something. Yeah, (laughs) Dot calls Bob basic, so he's not just a petty bitch, he's also a basic bitch. Well, I would have been here sooner if your sister wasn't such a... Me! If you weren't so basic, so low density! I died! I could not believe that they had used basic as an insult in this episode, and that 25 years later, it would become an actual insult. In this context, she's using it like as a reference to coding. Exactly. But all I could see was Dot just snapping her fingers in the air and goes, Uh, you basic. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, call me basic? You're the basic one. (laughs) Yeah, Bob's argument tactic is to go, I am rubber, you are glue. I'm going to look you up in the dictionary. Oh, what's that? It says basic. (laughs) Enzo saved at the last minute by Frisket while Dot punches Bob off screen. First of all, yes, they are just leaving Enzo to die because they're mad at each other. Thankfully, Frisket is somewhat sentient. But they get so mad that Dot resorts to physical violence, which... You know, it's always played for laughs when it's the lady doing it. Mm-hmm. Not a big fan of that personally. But I'm assuming they don't show it on screen because of broadcasting standards and practices. But they got the sex line joke in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who was in charge of this? We couldn't see the punch, but we could see a TV come on to a grown man. Well, there's a long history of that, like I said, like with Rocco's Modern Life and other kids shows where they get stuff under the radar. Like Animaniacs was notorious for doing adult jokes in there. Oh, well, yeah. Well, Enzo at this point gets the strangest thought bubble that I've ever seen. It's like really blocky. <laughs> and like, so they try to three-dimensionalize a 2D cloud and it's just like weird and blocky and like fuzzy and it's really strange. And he decides that, well, if tragedy didn't work, then an apology will, right? And that's the hope. But I do want to stop for a moment to point out Dot's adventuring kit here. Because mm. talk about over-preparing. So she's got the mining helmet, complete with light. She's got a ladle, a, ladle. a mug, <laughs> and a plunger. 
I really want to know what she was wondering would happen. I think she rolled uh, ones on all her adventuring gear. Or either that, or maybe she just doesn't eat her fiber. <laughs> so we're back at Bob's again. Yeah, so he gets a knock on the door and receives a uh, telegram hologram. Yeah, which I thought was pretty fun. They have this character come in dressed up like an old telegram carrier, but saying, oh, I've got a hologram for you, sir. Mm-hmm. That is thanks to Holomark. Holomark, yes. <laughs> And so it's apparently Dot apologizing and wanting to make up, but Dot receives the same one with Bob saying her lines. Also, we learn Bob doesn't tip. He just, like, slams the door in his face when he, like, coughs for a tip. I bet you Dot tipped. Well, as a service person, you know, someone who owns a diner, I'm sure she would. And we also learned that somehow Enzo is cutting together footage of them. How? Where is he getting this footage? Yeah, I don't know how holograms work here. <laughs> Can you just program it to look like somebody and say whatever? I mean, I guess so. It's like that deep fake stuff that you're hearing about. Yeah, again with the Prussians. Either way, the gambit works, and uh, they meet at a park bench just as a game starts to come down. Yeah, they're being all nice and sweet to each other for all of five seconds. Yeah, but Dot has the most fan fiction line here. She's like, oh no, a game! But I'm not worried. I'm with you, and you're the best. <laughs> I mean, who the fuck wrote that and thought that was okay? But I'm not worried, Bob. I'm with you, and you're the best. So in this scenario, she thinks that Bob has come back groveling to her. So I think she's just trying to be like, you're the best, Bob, really. It's it's okay. She laid it on, like, real, like, like oh, Bob, you're the best. <laughs> Which, of course, they then start to realize that neither one of them wrote an apology. Yeah, she references his card, and he's like, my card? And then they realize that they've been tricked. Uh-oh. And so they continue arguing as the game comes down, and it's some kind of prison break. Yeah, we're in the game. It's a prison break. They're arguing away while the prisoner escapes. I laughed out loud when I saw this prisoner's like character design. It was so good. It reminded me of the graphics from GoldenEye on the N64, which I know is out of the timeline chronologically, but man, oh man, if it isn't a reference to that, I don't know. It was just such a great idea to have it be this low-poly guy like that would actually be in a game, which was probably still way too advanced for the games of that time. But mm-hmm. Why is his outfit covered in arrows? I think that was just a nice touch. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so as they reboot, we finally see that eye patch dot. Yeah, we see iPatch Dot and Bob. Which I guess is actually part of a whole headset with a microphone and camera attachment, I guess. Still, though, not a bad look. No, not a bad look at all, and Bob is rocking it as well. Uh, and while they're sitting there arguing, the user cuts the power. He initiates a uh, self-destruct sequence. And did you notice his sweet ponytail when he did that? I wasn't really paying attention to the ponytail. I was trying to read literally everything on his shirt. Bob calls the game Starship Alcatraz, and he goes to grab some weapons while the power gets cut, and uh, all the other prisoners are apparently getting freed. So yeah, we now know this is a prison escape game in In space. Uh, And the other prisoners are weird spider things, and like... So this actually confused me. I didn't recognize that those creatures were the prisoners. Yeah, they all have barcodes on them, much like the prisoner does. So we can infer that they are the other prisoners. Right. And Dot tries to make a reasoned, well-thought-out plan when a spider monster jumps out in front of her. And Bob has to shoot it. Yeah, he traps it inside a bubble, which uh, he then uses as proof that they don't have time for planning. It's action time. Which, yeah, sure, Bob. That makes sense. So just FYI, on the prisoner, on the front and back, we see a barcode, and then underneath it, SA00701010135094. Okay. The only thing on there that makes any kind of sense to me is the 9404, which is the same number we saw on the clapperboard. And then on the back, it also says prisoner number seven, which I would actually think is almost a reference to the show, The Prisoner. I haven't seen that myself. Uh, Yeah, you'll have to watch it before we watch The Prisoner episode. Which one is that? 
that one doesn't come till season three. So you got some time. But the main character in The Prisoner is called number six. There's also a number two and a number one. Number one. So it's weird, though, that it would be, it would say prisoner number seven and not six if it is a reference. So I don't know. Frankly, I'm just disappointed that there's not 24601 reference on here because I'm a giant Les Mis fan. Well, uh, that takes an elevator up to a higher level. She gets cornered by another spider, as well as a cubic circuit board monster? Not before telling him to cool it, Game Boy. I thought that was a funny reference. Bob tells her to use her PCU, and she's like, no shit, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I didn't realize we were in a shooting game. Way to mansplain. Yeah, so he manages to dodge one and have it fall down the elevator shaft, but then an even bigger one comes out of it and knocks him over the railing. Which Dot then saves him by shooting him with a bubble, but then he's stuck in a bubble. Now, is there is that a standards and practices thing where they had to trap them in bubbles instead of destroying them? them maybe usually in like those old tv shows they would have like laser guns instead of actual guns somehow that makes it better well she straight up no scopes two goons and man dot is like fucking badass right here like be still my heart (laughs) (laughs) she is she's running through this level with no problem whatsoever bob is still stuck in his bubble He's uh, been using every tool that Glitch has available until he finally thinks the cartoon way and pulls out a pin. Yeah, he tries a buzzsaw or a hammer, and then, yeah, it's eventually it's the pin because it's like a, it's one of those old text adventure tropes where, like, you have to use the exact right tool yes. in the exact right syntax. Exactly. Otherwise, it's like, I do not understand. Use buzzsaw. So now he's in charge of playing the operator while Dot runs around and bubbles goons and chases off the user. And he has to call upon her knowledge of ancient languages. We get to see thematically that they're switching roles here, that Bob has to be the planner and the organizer and Dot has to run around and think fast on her feet. Right. So Dot rattles off a bunch of ancient languages so that Bob can turn the power back on. And he's stalling the user. He's like slamming doors in its face and dropping the stairs out from under him. All sorts of fun cartoony stuff. Dot's just blasting goons. She takes out a whole (laughs) quarter full of baddies. They seem to have some kind of... Oh, no, you know what? That's the bubbles. Okay, I thought they had, like, invincibility shields because she shoots them and then they just float down the hallway unharmed. No, yeah, they're just in a bubble. Uh, so the user approaches an airlock and uh, Dot's waiting for him inside, and so she tosses him in and then traps him inside without the key. Which I guess means he didn't win? Yeah, because he was trying to get there. Like, that kind of didn't make sense to me because he, w- he went to the door and then she tosses him where he was going anyway. But because he doesn't have the key, I guess, is the real thing. Either he doesn't because he didn't have the key or because the station didn't explode yet. That might be part of the win condition. Yeah, I'm guessing that like by not having the key in his possession and the auto-destruct doesn't happen, his like mission failed. Yeah, which Dot has to think on her feet and just jump. Meanwhile, Bob has to come up with a plan, which he then foist off on Glitch because he can't come up with anything. Right, she's got multiple stories that she's falling with only seconds to spare, and so Bob, struggling to come up with a quick solution, just goes, Glitch! Anything! Which it interprets as making a little springy trampoline for Dot to land on. We would have also accepted a giant mattress, or one of those big inflatable (laughs) things they put on lakes where summer camp kids jump on. Maybe a thimble for her to fall inside. (laughs) Thimble full of water. I also really liked that uh, when Dot calls Bob out on his inability to speak ancient languages, Bob goes, yeah, I know, I'm a geek. And I'm just like, so he's a geek for not knowing computer programming? I guess it was more like, talk to me as if I'm a geek? Talk nerdy to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great song, by the way. I think it was more just like an older way of using geek. Like, it, geek wasn't a nerd. It was like just a doofus. They were not interchangeable words, I know that, yeah. I think a geek actually used to refer to a circus performer who would, like, 
chew on chicken necks and stuff like that. <laughs> but like, yeah, like like it would refer to like a freak show type of thing. She cancels the self-destruct and then the game ends. So yeah, now they're best of friends again. Enzo's lamenting the end of their relationship when they appear and they... And they're just, they can't get enough of complimenting each other on the different moves they pulled. They're heading back to the diner for makeup sex and then they ask Enzo to join them. The end, I feel like, comes really fast, but not in a bad way. It's just, you know, we've resolved it. That's all there is to it. And off into the sunset. Yeah, and a lot of the episodes end like that, where it's just like a quick little boop, and that's it. Reboot! So what did you think of this episode? I actually really liked this episode. I really liked it too. I thought it was a lot of fun, even if the argument between Bob and Dot seemed kind of contrived. Like, you know, they were just suddenly mad at each other because the plot needed them to be. But um, yeah, no, I really, I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was, I think, streamlined in a way that a lot of the episodes that you haven't liked aren't. There wasn't a lot of back and forth with things that didn't have to do with the plot or silly gags that took an hour to happen. Well, even the gags, like the pacing of them was a lot better. Yeah. The only gag that kind of went on for a little bit too long was the popcorn going back and forth between the Marguin with the binomes watching. But even that, like, I could tolerate. Yeah, especially once I noticed that the doctor kept trying to eat the popcorn. Yeah, like they could have trimmed that down slightly, but it wasn't overall annoying. No, I thought they did great with the pacing on this episode. I feel like they're really getting into the swing of the series here. Mm -hmm. I I really enjoyed this episode a lot. We're back on message with the uh, cooperation, you know, being key. Yes, of getting along, which it almost feels like Bob regressed a bit. Right. I was trying to figure out who was right. You know, is the message at the end that you can't rely on having a plan or on being spontaneous? Like you need to be able to do both? Yeah, that I think you just have to, you know, be aware that both talents are needed uh, and maybe not to get all upset when someone has a different opinion than you right. with regards to you know how to go about things it was yeah i really enjoyed it it was really fun uh snappy plot good time alphanumeric so do you have any bits and bites this week what do you got for trivia all right so we mentioned earlier but we get mentions to both COBOL and fortran both are early computer languages from the 1950s hence they are ancient in computer times. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that the director's name is Dino de Horrendous. The only time you ever learn what his name is, is apparently on the reboot trading cards. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but his name is a reference to Dino de Laurentiis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so de Laurentiis has produced way too many movies to even begin to name them all. I know one of them is Barbarella, at least. Yes, uh, but the ones that I wanted to bring up for this one are Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Oh, okay, yeah. Since both of those episodes are directly referenced in the show very obviously so mm. and then when the fake kidnapping of enzo happens it is at old man pearson's data dump pearson's data dump has probably been referenced in every episode so far like at least in the background so old man pearson we haven't met yet we will meet him he's a reference to one of the creators ian pearson now the whole escape from space alcatraz <laughs> at one point Bob mentions that the prisoner is in cell block H. This may be a reference to an old British TV show called The Prisoner in Cell Block H, which is not to be confused with The Prisoner. (laughs) I think it's kind of, if it is a reference, it's a little obscure because Prisoner in Cell Block H was about a woman's prison. Okay. And this prison is full of one guy and a bunch of spiders. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it very well may be. And then uh, we may have a little bit of a, the prisoner <laughs> reference in it being him being prisoner number seven. Right. Um, but we'll have to see. There's definitely actual prisoner references in the later episode. So okay. that's it for today's bits and bites. So now the game. 
the game. So now I mentioned earlier that I got a distinct GoldenEye vibe from it, but I know that was just in terms of like the user character's low poly aesthetic. In terms of like the setting and the creatures, like it wasn't quite Doom, but it wasn't necessarily not Doom either. I, I don't know. But in either case, like I like the space prison break theme, and if there's a game like it, I would definitely want to play it. So as far as I can tell, there's not really a game like it. Damn. <laughs> I agree with the Doom reference, though. I do think that there's kind of a Doom-esque feel to it. I have two games that I was able to find. Both of them come after the release of this episode, so neither one is a reference to this. But there's one called Abuse. No, no. Uh, <laughs> I know. Where the protagonist has been unjustly incarcerated in prison where the staff are performing unethical medical experiments. Okay. And so the main character must escape the prison. So, you know, there's, there's some reference in there. And then um, there's also another one that is, it's called La Fuga. Uh, but in America, it was called The Fugitive, uh, which I believe La Fuga is just... I want to say Italian for the fugitive. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's like a blocky, almost adventurous game. So it's not first person. Um, and it's, it's definitely not at the level that we saw this game at. Right. But it is a prison escape game, but it came out in 1996. So it would be after this game came out. Right. I thought it was interesting though, like depending on who you're looking at, like from the user's perspective, you know, he's not trying to stop the prison break. He is the prisoner making a run for it. But it almost seems like in certain ways Bob and Dot were taking the player character roles like it was designed as a challenge for them. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Because <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel like the prisoner is the one. You've, you've been imprisoned in space prison. Your job is to get out of it. Bob and Dot are the NPCs who are attempting to stop you. No, I, I can see it both ways. But like, because in certain ways, like, you know... It might be a game where you have to stop the prison break from happening and, and, and catch the user before he escapes out into space. It's definitely like a game for them, too, which they kind of have to always play in these episodes because the game has to be for the user to win. Right. But it also has to be exciting for us, the audience, to view. Right. So we have to give Bob and Dot or Nenzo whatever stakes that they have to succeed at. They can't just watch him play Portal, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh, if they played Portal, they would just be turrets and they wouldn't be able to move or anything. <laughs> <laughs> They'd just be um, the cores. <laughs> Space. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you would play this game? I would totally play this game, actually. Yeah, I think this would be pretty fun. I'm a big fan of stealth games. I'm a little disappointed that it's not an actual game that I couldn't play. Oh, there is one other that's very, very recent, and I forget the name, so I won't talk about it too much, but it's you're pretty much going back and forth on the Cold War and infiltrating different places. It's totally stealth game. It's not anything like this for real, mm. but you know, it's kind of got that feel where you're going from level to level trying to just sneak past the guards. Nice. Yeah, I would totally play this game. This sounds like fun. This is wrong. This is all wrong. Well, did you find yourself any frosty moments? There are so many good moments in this. <laughs> I've got a feeling our winners are probably going to be the same one. I don't know. I, I actually have a, a good list here, too. <laughs> so I love Dot and Bob and the eye patch look. I thought that looks great. I'm a big fan of the pun on Hallmark that we have, that it's, it's brought to you by Hallmark. But I mean, they managed to get a sex line joke in this show. <laughs> Like, I, I mean, that has to be the winner. There's nothing else I could say about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that definitely comes out of nowhere. I had a lot of moments written down, 
there's there was a lot to choose from. So there's the Afro binome, which I really liked. Yeah. That just kind of like mugs to the camera for a second, like when everybody's evacuating. I liked the the fake cardboard megabyte. I liked the creepy background dude that was from Al's Diner. Dot's like whole monologue about Bob being the best, which seemed kind of weird. <laughs> and the uh, the golden eye kind of aesthetic of the prisoner himself. So. I guess I'm going to give it to the Afro Binome, though, because he just kind of pops into frame and, like, smiles and then runs away, and it made me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're, when we get to Cyrus, then, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if he lives up to this Afro Binome. Okay. <laughs> have we seen him before? Cyrus? No, the Afro Binome. I don't think we have. Cyrus is also an Afro Binome. He just has a streak of white in his hair. Okay. Well, then that's what we're going to award the Golden Pigtails to this week. So did we get any feedback this week? We got a very nice email from someone named Shuttlebutt (laughs) (laughs) saying keep doing what you're doing, which, you know, we really appreciate. Uh, If you guys want to send us emails or tweets or talk to us on Facebook, give us a five-star review, then we certainly appreciate it. We like to hear that people are listening. We've also been getting a lot of well-actuallys on our... uh... (laughs) On our social media, <laughs> especially in regards to my uh, Spaceballs reference in episode one. I know what dot matrix printers and displays are. I was just pointing out that Spaceballs also used it as a character name first. Not specifically that Reboot was making a Spaceballs joke. But thank you for listening and, and for your concern. Lots of well actuallys, huh? Welcome to life as a woman, Ben. Oh boy. I'm getting bob splained that. <laughs> I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. All right, Ben, do you have any recommendations for this week? Well, you know I'm a big pinball guy, right? I do. So I don't have a specific pop culture recommendation this week. I just want people to go out and find and play some pinball machines near them if you can. Most arcades don't really have them anymore, but you can still find them. They're kind of going through a bit of a resurgence these days. More for the home collector, though. But uh, I'm actually really lucky in that I have two decent pinball arcades right near me, and one of them hosts a league competition, so I actually get to play pretty often. You know, I like some older games, some newer games, but my ultimate favorite is Medieval Madness, and I'm trying to save up for one of those. That sounds like fun. Another one to look for is uh, Hercules, which is the largest pinball machine ever made, and it actually uses a billiard ball as the pinball. What? That sounds crazy. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty fun. You can actually find one in uh, the Museum of Play in Rochester. But anyway, if you can find any near you, definitely make a point to do so. What about you, Jess? There's still that sign up by my target that has have pinball machine and handwritten and like a phone number after it. (laughs) Every time I'm just like, Ben, why are you in my town? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I'm going to uh, recommend another webcomic. Um, I just have a bunch that I read weekly that I really think are amazing and deserve more praise than they probably get just because uh, webcomics are awesome and artists spend a lot of time to get pages out a week for people. So I want to push that forward. So the one I'm going to recommend this week is called Wildlife, and that's wild with an E, starring a young man named Oscar Wilde. (laughs) Not to be confused with the Oscar Wilde. It's uh, written and drawn by Pascal Lepis. Uh, You can find it on wildlifecomic.com. And again, that's wild with an E. And it's about a man from the big city who moves to a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, except the tiny town in the middle of nowhere is filled with paranormal things, such as a teenage werewolf and some witches. And, well, you'll have to read and find out. Oh, nice. Yeah, I actually, I draw comics off and on myself, and I haven't for a little while, but I've been kind of inspired lately to start up again. It's so much fun. (laughs) Comics are the best. Everyone go read your comics. Sorry, I'm a comics fan. (laughs) No, no, that's fine. So am I. So uh, what's happening next week? Next week, we are on episode six. It's called In the Belly of the Beast. 
I didn't really remember anything about this. I did go ahead and, and peek at the wiki, uh, <laughs> but I saw this picture of a sick frisket and so much came flooding back to me. Oh no, do they have to put him down? <laughs> oh no, don't say that. <laughs> no, they don't have to put frisket down, but he does get actually literally green. Uh. So it's, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Well, you can always find us online at, uh, at Incoming Game Cast on Facebook and Incoming Game Pod on Twitter. I am uh, at Dudworks on Twitter and Dudworks Art on Facebook. And I am at Stervino Lady. That's Stir and then Vino at Facebook, Twitter, etc. Yeah, we always appreciate reviews. So if you want to like comment and uh, review us on iTunes, that'd be great. We'd love that. And you can like and share our posts and let the world know that uh, there's a cool reboot podcast out there. It's, it's really cool, guys. I promise. Jessica makes a point to post GIFs from uh, from the episode and uh, comparison shots for the games that we talk about. Yeah, so uh, head on over to our social medias and let us know how we're doing. Our theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. And, um, I don't know, how do we usually end this show? I told you, it's F slash 7 slash 92 alt VL. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 225 backslash C30. Stay frosty, folks. Slash V slash V. Game over. User wins.